Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Um, so anyway, I'm going to start a series today called Christmas Questions. It really could be called holiday questions because a lot of these deal with pretty much any holiday. But since we're at the Christmas holiday, uh, we'll talk about Christmas questions. What are some questions? I mean, we're, we're, we're a fairly close group. What are some questions that y'all typically get at Christmas? Huh? Just give me some feedback. I know online you guys probably won't be able to hear this, but I'll, I'll repeat them for you. What are some Christmas questions? Y'all need me to give you an example? What do you want for Christmas this year? What else? Have you been good? Have you been good? <laughs> Have you been good? Of, that's not even a question I ask. What else? What are you going to do for Christmas? These are some good questions. Where are you going for Christmas? Um, this is the question I want us to look at today. Are you guys staying in town or are you traveling to see family this Christmas? That's a question I get all the time because I'm not originally from this area. So I get people to ask me, are you going to stay in town this year? Or are you guys going out of town for Christmas? We get that for Thanksgiving too. Shay and I just came back uh, from uh, the Thanksgiving holidays where we spent Christmas out of town with our families. And uh, so are you going to stay home and are you going out of town? There's traveling a lot of times involved. And so today, you know, I really want to talk to you about family. I want to talk to you about traveling. And, you know, if, you, if, you'll, uh, if you'll look at Luke chapter 2, let's look at that real quick. About the first seven verses. Are you there? So at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. All right, so in this story, in this holiday story, it really wasn't Christmas, but there's a, there's a traveling part of the story. And so they were not at their home. They had to go somewhere else to their own hometown. And so going to their, their hometown where they were originally from, there probably were some descendants. There probably were some people uh, that, that they knew or either if they didn't uh, or at, as family, but even if they didn't have people living there, they still had relatives converging and showing up in the same place. So there was a, a certain amount of travel involved, but it's not the travel that I want to really do because normally if you're traveling at the holidays you're traveling either to see family or friends who are like family are you are you with me so so today I'm really going to talk with you about uh, family and what that means for us uh, and I'm I'm talking beyond family as relatives because you know we all have those relatives that we wish weren't our family am I the only one like, you got those family members, and it's like, there are people in my family. When Shay and I started dating, I said, there are certain people in my family you can't meet. I'm not lying. I'm serious. And to this day, she hasn't met some of them. And it's uh, mainly because they live so far away from us. But, but at the time, it wasn't that. It was because of the way, like, they live so different from her family. Because, see, I wasn't raised in church. I was raised around a bunch of uh, uh, just old raunchy sinner folks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just raunchy. 
And she was not. She was raised in church from the time that she was in the womb. She was like, uh, she was like John the Baptist and Jesus. You know, she, she would be leaping in her mom's womb while they were praising and worshiping. She had a totally different experience. And so for me, uh, my understanding of her family, she didn't have any raunchy people in her family. And then I found out later she had some raunchy folks in her family. I'm just saying, you know, I won't be calling any names of y'all today uh, for protecting them. But, you know, we all have people in our family that's like, man, I, 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 mm-mm. And then you have people outside of your family that are as close as any blood relative that you would ever meet. Uh, I have friends that I met in college over 30, Shane and I have been married for 33 years, uh, and we met them in college right when we got married. So for 33 years, I have had friends that we haven't seen them in years, but I promise you, if they came to our house or we went to their house and occasionally we will meet back up, it is like there has been no separation you, you got friends like that? If you, if you don't, man, I, you don't know what you're missing. But we have friends that are like, yes, it was like yesterday we were together. It's, it's just a love that there's no gap. And I have had, been blessed to have friends after friends after friends after friends like that. And it's a beautiful thing. So today as I'm talking about, friend, uh, uh, about family, I'm talking about your relatives, but I'm also talking about friends and uh, uh, acquaint- not acquaintances, but uh, non-blood related people that are like your family. Church is like my family. Like, that's why sometimes when uh, there's a church breakup or a church divorce, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you need me to explain it to you? Huh? Raise your hand if you need me to explain it. I will. But when there's a church breakup or a divorce... That's why it's so hard sometimes for me because it's, it is very personal. It's very personal because um, I love people. I really do. I mean, I overbook myself every week. I do. I overbook myself every week. And I have leaders constantly telling me, uh, what a poor leadership quality that is. And, um, and they're like, you're never going to get things accomplished. And I'm like, well, y'all look smarter than me, and you've got bigger churches than I do, and you look more successful than I do. Maybe you're right. Maybe I need to cut back and just, you know, it is what it is. But I just, I don't know. For me, the way that I'm built, I... It hurts me when I have to say, I can't meet you uh, except for three weeks out. You know, and there are times where I literally don't have any spare moment. That I mean, I've got some spare moments, but Shay needs some of those. You know, my family needs some of those. I need some of those. And, um, and but I'm just, I'm a relational person. And so it hurts when there's a breakup. It hurts when there's, even when it's healthy, it still hurts. I remember when we took our child, first child, to college. And we dropped her off for college. I'm not making this up, and I'm not exaggerating this. We dropped Savannah off at school. And thank God we had the wisdom of, uh, of Sheila Lewis. And I, I don't know if Sheila's in. Oh, there you are. Uh, Sheila Oh, my God, thank the Lord for you. Forgive. She wrote us this letter and told us basically how to act and what's going to happen when you drop your kid off at college. Because she said it's selfish, and I'm paraphrasing, but she talked about how it's so selfish of a parent to try to hold on to their child when they're excited and they want to go experience their great adventure. And... They said, so she, when, you, when you drop her off, she's going to be excited. And you're going to be sad. And you're going to want to hold her back. And you're going to want to hug her and kiss her and, 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 and keep her as long as you can. But you can't do that. Like, you need to let her run. Go free. You know, set her free. Let her go to her big adventure. And, and don't rob her of that experience. And don't make her feel guilty about it. And so we get there. And... Um, 
And we're, we're following your advice now. We're following your advice. I'm following it better than Shay, but I'm just saying. Uh, and, and we get there, and Savannah literally acts like, y'all are getting on my nerves. You need to go. I'm ready to do this. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not taking that personally or anything because Sheila had already prepared us. And so I finally say to Shay, let's get in the car. We just have to, you know, you, you can't draw it out. It's like, goodbye, I love you, get in the car and leave. All right? If anybody has a kid going off to college, request one of those letters for Sheila. She's sitting in the back corner of the room. She's on our greeter team today. Raise your hand back there. Uh, she will write you a letter, and it will bless you. I promise you, set you up for success. We get in the car, and I'm not joking, for 30 solid minutes, we cry like somebody in our family had died. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. It was like ugly cry. If anybody had pulled up beside us and looked at us, they would have thought something horrible had just happened. But we are like, <laughs> you know, it was, I'm not joking, it was that bad. For 30 minutes, we got it out of our system. And after that, we were okay. And I'm telling you what, it was a powerful learning moment for us. What are you shaking your head for? I wasn't okay after 30 minutes. <laughs> well, I probably pulled a Betty Stewart on you, my mama. It's like, dried up. It's time, it's time for it to be over. Let's move on. So I prob I, that, that's probably why I probably did that. But it prepared me. But family is so, you know, family, again, whether it's relatives, blood, or whether it's friendship, it, it, it is such an emotional bond. And God loves that because he created us to be emotional. He created us to be connected in very personal ways. God himself designed family. And, and think about this. Family is basically... A, uh, a physical model of the Godhead. You know what I mean when I say Godhead? Father, Son, Holy Spirit in perfect unity, in perfect relationship, in perfect community. The family is supposed to be a model of the Godhead. It's supposed to be forever. Family is supposed to be forever. As a matter of fact, let's say it together. There it is, I think, on the screen. Family is forever. God designed it that way. You know, unfortunately, there are people who have experienced divorce. And if you've experienced divorce, you know, there's, hey, don't beat yourself up about that. If you've experienced that, it's time to move on. It's time for you to heal. And it's time for you to move into the next phase of your life and and so family is this model in the earth of God's perfect community. And that's how he really wants us to operate in our family. And God hates divorce. And let me tell you why. A lot of people, when, when you say that and you've been divorced, you immediately feel condemnation. Please don't do that because the scripture says that Christ did not come to condemn the world. So if you ever feel condemnation, it's not from God. So the reason God hates divorce, he doesn't hate you as a divorced person. He doesn't hate uh, what you did, as in you did this. What he hates is the subject the, of divorce. He hates it. Why does he hate it? Because it destroys, it divides, it hurts, it's ugly, it can be so vicious, and it's everything except the heart of God. That's why he hates divorce. He doesn't hate you, he hates it because of what it does. It robs, it steals, and that's why he hates it. And God created us to be together forever. God, I want you to think about this in a church relationship. I had two, I love how God knits things together and kind of like a, just like, he just knits stuff together. Today, I'm talking about family and I had two different church uh, volunteers from our dream team come to me and say, Pastor Rife, I have this incredible idea. 
Why don't we take pictures of all of our church uh, body and family and uh, use them to make a big destiny logo? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. And we already had that idea, and we basically vetoed that idea. I did. And I'll tell you why in just a second. And then I had another person to come and talk about uh, this great idea. Now, isn't that funny that today I'm talking about family and and relationship, and God speaks to two different people, really great ideas. But let me tell you why I said, yes, we already thought about that, and I would love to do that, and here's why we chose not to do that. Number one, we spend money on that. Number two, people do not stay at churches very long. Isn't that sad? The only time that Shay and I really changed churches when we were growing up, well, first of all, we never changed churches while we were growing up. If there was a problem in our church, we worked through it. We did. But what has happened is we've welcomed a spirit of divorce in the church. Now, you understand a spirit of divorce is just a spirit of separation. It's a spirit of division. That's what it is. And we've welcomed a spirit of divorce in the church that, you know, when, when it's all said and done, well, I disagree with you. And many people, they get a divorce, and it's just the reason? Irreconcilable differences. Well, we just disagree. We're just on different pages. We have welcomed this in not only to the church, but we've welcomed it into our politics and everything, where if I disagree with you, I hate you. You know what I'm saying? If, if I disagree with you, we can't do life with each other anymore. Listen, I'm telling you what, I've met people who are Muslims. You can't get further away from the Christian faith maybe than the Muslim faith. I mean, there are similarities, but we're on, we're on different ends of the spectrum. But we can be friends with Muslims. We can be friends. We don't have to agree. We can be friends, though. We can go get a coffee. We can, we can come over to each other's house. Listen, you can be a homosexual and I don't agree with that. I don't think it's biblical. But we can still love one another. I can still treat you with dignity and respect. And I can say, that's your right to choose whatever you want. But we've come to this place that if we have differing views on those kinds of things, then I hate you or I'm intolerant and we can't do life together. Why not? Why can we not do that? And I'm just telling you, man, I think the version of Jesus in the Scripture and the version of Jesus that we have in our head are so polarized. I think they're so different. I believe that Jesus would... Well, I don't believe it. I know because the Scripture gives us ample examples of Him at different times operating and, and uh, hanging out with people who are not of his faith. The scripture gives us examples of Paul with different people of faith. And he never tried to, uh, he, he just stated his case. He didn't try to beat Browam. He didn't try to tell them they're going to hell if you don't believe this way. You know, he, they, they were able to mutually respect because I'm just telling you, you can't save a single person. You don't have the power to save. All you have the, the, the ability to do is be salt and light. And I'll talk about that a little later in the message. But, you know, all we have the ability to, to do is, is be Jesus, you know. And so, you know, we've got to get to this place where we understand the 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 strength of family, the importance of family. And I tell you what, um, while I don't, uh, the devil can't create sickness. He can't. And God didn't create coronavirus. God can't create, God can do what he wants to, but he doesn't create sickness. Not post-cross anyway. And so, where did that come from? Well, it comes from us living in a fallen world. We just live in a fallen world. And bad stuff happens to good people and bad people. But I'm telling you what, God, just like God can take bad and use it for good, the enemy can take bad and use it for worse. 
And the enemy, what he's done is he's taken this season where we have this virus that has come onto the scene, and he's used this to separate the church. He's used it to separate the nation. He's used it to separate even families. I've seen people about get in fights over masks. I about got in a fight. I told y'all about that a few weeks ago. I about got in a fight over a mask, and I was wearing a mask in a store that they wanted people to wear a mask. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm doing the right thing. But you can't act that way as a manager. You cannot act that way as a manager. And so, you know, it's like we're living in chaos right now. And this is what's happening, and we've grown apart And we've got to get our family back together. We've got to understand that family means so many different things. There's relative family. There's church family. There's sports family. There's uh, patriot family, like countrymen family. And then at the end of the day, there's human race family. Like just we love people because we all are people. And we all deserve to be treated with respect and dignity at the end of the day. And there are people that I look at all the time and I have so many different views of them. But it's like, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. So let me just go through a few things real quick about what family, as we look at family. Because a lot of you guys are going to be traveling for the holidays. A lot of you guys are going to be around your, your, your family in the coming weeks. And so how do you navigate this kind of stuff? How do we navigate this season in the church? How do we navigate this season in our country? And I'm just saying that God is looking for us. I'm telling you 2 Chronicles 7.14. People love to quote that scripture. And I truly believe the Lord revealed this to me. And the healing has already happened. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, that's us, which are called by my name, what's his name? Christian, Christ. We're Christians called after his name, called after God's name. We're God followers. If my people called by my name will humble, let's skip the humble and just go straight to pray. No, Because you can't pray a prayer that is not humble. You can't pray a prayer that is outside of humility. Lay yourself aside. If my people who are called by my name will humble, humble, humble means debase yourself. Set everything aside. Just like the scripture says, he thought it not robbery to be considered equal. That's what God did. The cre- what? The creator of the universe is going to debase himself to enter in. I'm fixing to get real, so religious people, I'm warning you, this is your part where you will get upset. God the creator of the universe, is fixing to enter into a body that sweats and stinks and poops and vomits and gets earwax and boogers. The God of all creation, the one who counts the stars, creates them, and knows every single one by name, who knows how many fish there are in the ocean, who knows how many hair you and I have on our head, he is going to debase himself and enter into that? My wife thinks I'm gross when I come in from outside. You stink. You smell like a wet dog. I'm like, well, that's what happens when you work out in the yard. You you, you see what I'm saying? God did not think so highly of himself that he would not debase himself to the lowest point to become one of us. To walk among us. To know 
how we feel because he has emotions. Think of your emotions, how strong they are. His is stronger because he created them. Think of pain. God knows what pain feels like. But he had to come show us he knows what pain feels like. The beautiful thing is that none of us in this place are ever going to have to be crucified. Oh, we don't know how we're going to go at the end of the day. We don't know how we're going to die. But I can guarantee you it will not be a slow, excruciating, painful death like a crucifixion. So he knows pain. He knows emotion. He knows sacrifice. He knows all of these things. And so going back to Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What are wicked ways? Well, pornography, adultery, being addicted to heavy drugs. These drugs are okay to be addicted to, but, you know, these no. And, you know, no, wicked ways. Your attitude, your stinking attitude. You're self-righteous, you're arrogant, you're always right. You, all of it, all of it. And it will turn from their wicked ways and say, man, I'm wrong, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, I don't have everything right. I can learn some more. I, even what I do know, there's more. What I do know might be wrong. I could be wrong. Anybody in this house ever been wrong, but you thought you were right? I have so many times. Uh-oh, I, I see some fingers being pointed out there. <laughs> the accusers of the brethren are in the house. <laughs> but if we will humble ourselves and pray, and we think that God is going to do that, you know. God, if my people who are called by my humble themselves and pray, if we do all this, God's going to do No, God is that has already been done, friends. When we humble ourselves and realize, I don't have to get my political point across. Healing's going to start. When I go, all races really are equal. That's when healing takes place. When we get to the place where, you know what, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I do not have to get in to your face and scream, you reprobate, you're an abomination, God's gonna punish, you know. That's not gonna make anybody wanna come to Jesus. You know, when we get to that point, healing is going to take place. That's what's happening in the earth, you know. God is going to begin that healing when we get it. And we're waiting on it. And God is saying, it's already been done, guys. Please go and do it. That's what he's saying. He's like, I'm waiting on you guys to start living this out. And when we start living that out is when it's going to happen. I don't have a national platform. I don't have a, 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 a national uh, ministry or an international ministry, but I'm telling you, I pray that God would drop that in the spirit of some of these guys, these ministers that have that kind of platform, like a Billy Graham, like a Reinhard Bonnke, like, you know, all the others, you know, those two are gone to heaven, but there are others out there. I pray that God would drop that into the spirits of, of ministers and prophets that have that kind of platform so that it can, the, the word can get out, that prophetic word can get out and the land will start healing. Listen, an election is not going to heal our nation. I know we think it will. An election also is not going to kill our nation. All right? We've got to pray in this thing that I'm talking about. God, bring healing to our land and I'm going to be the healing. Amen? I hear some clapping, but can we like, just like, if we're going to clap, can we like, yes, God, let it happen. Let it happen. So let me wrap this up real quick, okay? So this is what family does. Family disagrees with one another. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Anybody ever had some family that disagreed? We had a few close calls at Thanksgiving <laughs> in my family. And, uh, oh, I loved how one of my family members, and I'm not going to call any of their names because they may be, one, watching today, or two, watching later. But I was so... I don't, I, I love that when 
there was an opportunity to disagree on politics. Because you know we always got to talk about politics, right? I love how one of my family members, now I didn't say a word. I was like Jesus before Pilate. I wasn't going to say a word. But my family member, because they got asked the direct question. And I love how they said, you know what? I just don't want to talk about politics. And that argument, that argument, not that the other person was trying to make an argument, but I could see where it would go. It, it just fell lifeless. It just fell lifeless. Because it's like, yeah, let's just don't do that. Let's just don't bring that into this moment. And, and that family member basically was saying, hey, it's okay to have your view. And I really don't care to talk about it. The end. But family's going to disagree at times. Family's going to have disagreements. And when family disagrees, there's plenty of scripture. Proverbs, uh, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 says that let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ walked in love and gave himself up for us as a sacrifice, a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. It's just, you know, man, we sh- when we walk in love, and you got to think about these things. You know, you have to begin to clothe yourself in love. you got to begin to walk in love. Walking in love means that, you know, you make this a daily part of your life. And if it's not, God's asking you to change. God's asking you to change. Family is going to disagree with each other. I'm telling you what, I have members of my family right now that they haven't spoken to each other in 18 years. There's bitterness there. This scripture, let all bitterness and wrath. Well, I, I'm going to keep the bitterness and wrath and anger. And, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be malicious. I mean, I ain't going to go over to their house and stab them or nothing. No, the Bible says, like, listen, you got to get rid of all of this. Because y'all know that when Jesus came, he came with a more... Uh, uh, a souped up version of holiness, right? He came with the Ten Commandments 2.0. And his was, listen, if you are slandering them with your, with your tongue, that's just like stabbing them in the heart or the back. Like you might as well be killing them because you're killing them. Killing me softly with his tongue. You know where I'm going? Like, you know, it's a higher standard. And we think that the cross lowered the standard. The cross did not lower the standard. The cross came and said, I've given, called you to a higher standard and I'm giving you the grace. I'm giving you, Christ is giving you the grace, us the grace, to meet the higher standard. Because you have Holy Spirit in you. Whereas before they didn't. They were doing this on their own. But we are doing it God with us, Emmanuel. Family's going to disagree. But family loves one another. And if you don't know what love is, you got to get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think it's about the first four verses. And you start looking through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you go, do I love this way? Do I love this way? And you start going down that list, and I promise you, if you want to love like is a biblical love, go to that and see where you and I need, because I do this myself, and I'm like, man, I love, but I don't love like that. I don't love with, because this I struggle with. And it's like, that's an area that I have to work on and mature and grow into that. And we're all capable of doing that. So, family loves one another. Family forgives. If you're holding on to some bitterness, man, God is calling you to forgive. This is what the word says. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you your sins. Pastor Rife, you mean I'm saved and, and the father's not going to forgive me of my sins? No, I would question if you're saved. That's what that scripture really is, is meaning. 
is like, because the scripture says, beloved, that's us. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves God knows God. But if you don't love, you do not know God. For God is love. That's the scripture. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. He says, if you have a problem loving someone, you better check your relationship with the Lord. Because I'm telling you what, bitterness is going to keep a lot of people out of heaven. Bitterness is going to keep a lot of people from entering in to their eternal place. Bitterness is going to keep a lot of people fooled into thinking they're saved and they're really not. And if you have a place of bitterness in your heart, and get me, believe me, I get that. I know what it's like to be bitter. I know what it's like to be the victim, and rightfully so. I'm not talking about I'm a victim in my mind. I'm talking about there's evidence that I was the victim. I get that. But there also comes a place where you have to forgive. And sometimes you have to forgive physically. Sometimes you just have to forgive emotionally because maybe that person died. Maybe that person doesn't know that you have something against them and that if you went and brought it up to them, they would be like, well, that's news to me. I've literally had people to apologize to me for bitterness against me and I had no clue that, they, that, they, that I had either done something to offend them or, or maybe I didn't do anything but they just didn't like me or whatever and they, they had to get it off their chest. But whatever you have to do. And then family supports and protects one another. Family does these things. So many people when issues begin to arise in their spiritual life, they tuck their tail and they run. And it breaks my heart that when life gets tough, that they don't see their body, their family around them as their support system. I'll give you an example. My sister in the, uh, I don't know, she was maybe in the 12, I don't remember what, how old she was, but she got pregnant, okay? And um, my parents were leaders in the church. My, my mom was the leader of the women's ministry. And my daughter, uh, uh, my uh, uh, sister got pregnant. And so, uh, man, our church family was our home. It was our ecosystem spiritually. And I remember my family calling me, and I think we lived in uh, uh, Tennessee where we went to college. And they began to tell me that my sister was pregnant. And my mom was just heartbroken, and she said, you know, we're going to have to leave the church. And I'm like, hey, wait, 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 stop. Why, 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 are you, why are you leaving the church? I don't understand that. And she's like, well, we're just so embarrassed. And, you know, I'm a leader and, and, and all of this. And the people are going to talk. And, and I, told, I said, stop. Stop. I said, if that is the truth, you should want to go to another church. If that is the truth, then... then you don't need to be there. This is the time you need your church family. This is the time that your church family needs to not condemn you, not to drag the stones out and want to, you know, to, to uh, you know, stone the prostitute. This is the time to show love. This is the time to show forgiveness. This is the time to, the, to, to come around her. And so it worked out that my sister and family, they didn't leave the church. And, you know, it, it, it was all a happy ending. But there for a moment, it was shaky, you know. But it's like, I hate it when people go through a rocky time. That has happened here at Destiny. It's happened in leadership here when their world was falling apart. And instead of us letting, letting us help one another and surround each other, they chose to chop off the right hand of fellowship. And it's painful. It's painful. It's hurting. Because family loves and supports. And family is like, hey, that's not the best way to live. 
but if you're sorry and you want to change, now if you're not sorry and you don't want to change, that's a different story. That's a different story. You can't be in leadership at Destiny. I cannot tell you how many bruises spiritually that I've taken. How many times that I've been wounded for protecting the integrity of our ministry. But their wounds worth suffering. Because we have got to protect the presence of God. Anytime you start mixing sin with the sacred in leadership. You begin playing with a strange fire. And God's judgment comes upon it. And everything that we're doing here is perverted. That can never happen. Ever happen at Destiny. And I realize that I'm, the scripture that I'm using is judge not lest Rife Stewart be judged by the same standard that he uses to judge. I know everything I say applies to me. And if I ever fail and I have, do not have a repentant and workable heart, then I no longer have the right to lead this family. And I hope and pray that that day never happens and that I never allow that to happen in my family. And now you understand why I try to be so transparent with you because transparency makes me feel safe. It gives me a platform to be authentic for you. And so family protects, family supports, that's what we do. So if you ever go through a rough time in your life, I would say to you, please, please, please do not retreat into this cave of isolation that the enemy can pick you off. You need people surrounding you who will be there for you, who will encourage you. And when I say supports, I'm talking about nurture you. They will support you. They will encourage you. They will equip you. They will help you in times where it's like, I just can't see this happening. Well, I know you can't because you're too young, but I promise you if you'll just stick with it, just trust me as a spiritual leader, this too will pass. And I think this is the last thing. Family witnesses to each other. Family witnesses to each other. Can I just talk to you for a second about witnessing? This is what religion says. The Lord gave this to me and I wrote it down. Religion says that I have to share the gospel. But relationship says, let me show you the gospel. Let me say it again. Religion says, I have to share the gospel. But relationship says, let me show you the gospel. You ever had those family members, and maybe you were one of them, that at every family gathering, they're going to get around all their center folk, all their center family, and it's like, Billy, you, now, you, not, you, you need to get right with God. Now, you know you ain't living right, and it ends up being a big old disagreement, and it's like Billy just hates to see you coming because he knows you got to thump your Bible at it. I've been that person. I've been the Bible thumper because I felt like I had to get everybody in my family saved. But one day the Lord delivered me from that and helped me to realize I can't save any of my family. So what I need to be is I just need to be salt and light. I just need to be the best example of Jesus that I can be and I'm telling you what, when you start doing that, it is such a, it's so much easier that way. Witnessing is so much easier that way. Because now what happens is you don't even have to talk about the gospel. They will come and ask you about the gospel. I'll give you a few examples. In my family, even this weekend when I was with my family, I did not bring up Jesus one time. But they did. I did not bring up spiritual things one time. But they did. I didn't bring up anything prophetic. But I got questions asked to me about prophetic things. Just because they see you living it out. 
And when they see it, and, you know, and sometimes it takes a month or two or 10 or 12 or three years or 10 years. But I promise you, when people begin to see a healthy pattern in your life, they go, something about him's working. Like, he chose a different path or she chose a different path. And that path looks really good. Because I chose this path over here, and it's been a hell of a ride. Are you with me? And all of a the sudden, they're like, I want that one. I want what you have. Can you tell me how to get it? And now you hadn't got to get some theological, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend an eternity? And I believe there's a place and time for that. I believe there's a place and a time for that kind of directness. Usually it's somebody that's dying right there. And you ain't got time to be salt and light. You know what I'm saying? But just be salt and light to them. Because that's what family does. And so this is where I'm going to leave this with you. I'm going to leave you a couple of examples of how you can activate this word today. Because if you don't activate it, if you don't live this out, it's not going to do you any good. I have been so blessed by people over the last several weeks that have come to me at different times. Or either I've witnessed it personally at their house or at my house. And where they actually do these activations. It's so exciting to see people actually doing this stuff. But you know what? How can you activate this today? You could forgive a family member. You could forgive a family member. What if they're passed on, Pastor Rife? Forgive them. Like you have to write, even if you write a letter out to them, write a letter out to them as if they were alive and forgive them. Process that forgiveness. Let it go. Let that bitterness go. It might be a phone call that you have to make if both of y'all are aware of it. If only you're aware of it and they're totally unaware of it, you might just want to forgive them on your own and do something therapeutic for you, like writing a, a, a letter. But what, whatever, but whatever it takes for you to forgive, forgive. What do you do if you call them up and you say, hey brother, hey sister, hey aunt, hey uncle, I just wanted to tell you that I forgive you. You forgive me. For what? Well, I forgive you for that time. That's probably not the best way to lead into it. Harold. Uncle Harold. Paul Paul Harold. I just wanted to talk to you for a second. Um, there's something that has bothered me. This is about me, Uncle Harold. And I've carried this in my heart for so many years. And I want you to forgive me. Now who's the victim here? I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Ain't he supposed to be apologizing? Yeah, but I'm telling you how to get it. And you might not even get it. But this is about you, not them. If you don't realize that, you got forgiveness wrong. Forgiveness is about setting you free. Hey, Uncle Harold. This is about me. I wanted to tell you. I've been carrying this around my heart. I have held this against you. And there was a time, fill in the blank, and I want you to forgive me for holding that against you. Would you forgive me? Now, the other end doesn't matter what they say. Uh, I don't see what the big deal is. That's not my problem. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they may not be ready to, but you're doing it about you. It's yours. And so you just release it. However he responds and however he does. If he hangs up on you, cusses you out. It's not about it. It's you've done your part. Let it go. And you're released from that. I promise you God will bring healing to you. And this is, a, this is the last thing. Write a family member a loving, supporting note. Now this is not somebody that you're at odds with. This is just being supportive. I got a couple of people today, uh, today in my mind that I'm going to write notes to. But this is something I actually try to do on a regular basis. It's just write a note of encouragement. I did it to my mother-in-law uh, a few weeks ago. And I know it blessed her heart because she, she mentioned it. 
uh, to me. And I meant every word of it. And it, some, I don't know what was going on in her world. But you know, the enemy could have been beating her up, accusing her, telling her lies. But I felt in my spirit, I need today to let her know. And so I just sent her a text message letting her know what she meant to me as a person. And she let me know, man, this I needed. I needed this today. And that's what family does. Family encourages. What that also does is it strengthens the bond of family. So today, I hope that as we walk away and we realize that, you know, we're going to be with family over the next few weeks or whatever. You may have just come from your family. I pray that you would take some of these things to create a stronger family relationship. Because at the end of the day, you have to have common ground. You have to have common ground before you're ever going to be a positive witness. And that's all we're called to do is to be his witnesses. The Holy Spirit will come upon us and we will be his witnesses. We will not be his salvation. Do you understand? It's not my job to make sure Quentin is saved. It's not my job to make sure Amy is saved. My job is to be his witness of his goodness. That's all that's required of me. And in order to do that, I can't be at odds with Amy. And I can't be at odds with Quentin. Because if I don't have a common ground, and usually that's a place of understanding or compassion. If I don't have that common ground, then nothing I can say about Jesus works. Nothing I could show about Jesus would work. So I'm trying to give you ammunition to use against the enemy and weapons to use in the kingdom to be his witnesses. Would you stand?